From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. Clark Ford Studio here today. Ole Miss claiming the Governor's Cup last night, 5-2 to two in Pearl, Mississippi. Season Series 2-2. Rebels head to Fayetteville Friday, or they head today or tomorrow. They'll play Friday against the Razorbacks, Saturday against the Razorbacks, and Sunday against the Razorbacks. It's now a uh, a noon start, is that correct, on ESPN? It got moved to the big network. I think it's noon. Yeah, maybe, it's a, the like Sunday that. game is at noon. That's what I thought. So, Sunday game at noon. For, uh, for Ole Miss and Arkansas. We'll hit that for a minute today. We'll, we'll talk uh, some draft stuff around Matt Corral, uh, Bruce Feldman with some interesting blurbs, talking to coaches and scouts about uh, about Corral. I've got those. We'll go over that a little bit. And um, Mark Emmert out at some point as uh, the head of the NCAA. Summer so, of 23, right? Uh, or until a new person is named. That is just oh. the last day he will remain if they don't decide to hire anybody. So they could so, do it before that. That is correct, yes. Okay. It is whenever they decide who is going to replace him or no later than whatever that date is in 2023. Okay. So, See ya. That's your setup this morning. We'll hit that, some other stuff. Uh, a lot of columns out there about Mark Emmert, a lot of stuff. Not, oh, I bet. Not many very favorable. Um, oh, okay. But there's different levels. We'll get there. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got more to go. All right, uh, so that's coming up today on the show, the uh, Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Blue Sky location, 569 for your lunch specials, two sides of bread, 32-ounce drink. Also, uh, still trying to give you $10. You can do that. All you got to do is download the Exxon mobile app. You take a picture of the QR code. When you do that, 10 bucks, 1,000 bonus points with Exxon Mobile and all Blue Sky locations up and down I-55 and throughout North Mississippi as well. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford. You'll love the product. You'll love the service. Uh, Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Guest join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place to grab a burger, a po' boy, um, appetizers. they got a great beer selection, full bar, and more there at Rafters on the Square in Oxford and also Rafters in New Albany. So... So I, so I've, I've yeah. my thing is like on Tuesday. Tuesday is my day to take Carson to Tupelo for his practice. Okay, so we leave about five fifty. Yep, and uh, his practice is at seven. Okay, we like he likes to get there early because he needs to stretch because he had high school practice earlier in the day. Oh God. So you've practiced, and then you have to. Are we putting like a pedometer on him or something? I'm just kind of curious. He let's just put it this way: he can eat whatever the okay, hell he that's wants. What, okay, that's what I was getting. Um, so we get there early so that he can kind of stretch out and, mm-hmm. and get warmed up properly so he doesn't hurt himself. And um, um, I go to the track because I don't ever watch practice. Yeah, sure. And I don't want to be that dad. I've never wanted to be that dad. And if you did, you wouldn't know what you were watching. Yeah. I mean, I've picked up enough yeah. to kind of 
be dangerous. Yeah, but I go to the track. Yeah, sure. And my goal is to not read my phone the whole time to kind of cleanse myself mentally a little. Okay. And so I'll listen to things like I might listen to music. Um, I might listen to a game. And so yesterday I listened to um, I listened to uh, Grizzlies Timberwolves, mm-hmm. which was a fantastic, fantastic basketball game. It was. Um, what a good game. What a, what a, it even got me to watch the end. What a great game. Yeah. Um, so I listened to that. Yeah. Um, and I knew the Emmert thing had happened. And I intended to kind of read some stuff when I got back. And you know what they say about the best intentions. I got back and I watched the end. We got back for the last minute and a half of Timberwolves uh, Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And then Carson and I watched the first part of, of Suns Pels because Carson was really hoping for a Pelican win. Okay. Didn't happen. I did not. Um, so anyway, I, I never got around to reading it. So I'm interested to hear, because I suspected, I'm saying all this to lead to this. I suspected the usual suspects were going to. Um, well, you can't say he did a hell of a job. So there's a there's a middle ground here. But I thought they would kind of carry some water, excuse a little. Well, yeah, sort okay. of, sort so of. And I, and I don't even know that I disagree completely. It's it's interesting. But the problem is when you know what's coming and they're going to have that thing because they're carrying water, it has less impact when you agree with it because you just happen to agree. It's it's blind squirrels and nuts and whatnot. Kyle, thanks for Super Chat. He says, do you have any thoughts or memories from tornado outbreak on this day 11 years ago? I grew up about 30 miles from Chase. It changed my life forever. It changed Tuscaloosa forever. Um, I, I was actually in – I was in Tupelo that afternoon, and I remember almost trying to beat it back. You don't realize how bad it's gotten until you're kind of stuck in it a little bit. And then, yeah, I mean, look, it hit Smithville. I mean, it was right there by where I grew up um, to the point that I'm trying to get grandparents on the phone. You're checking on relatives. I mean, it it, it did not – everybody, thankfully, was safe that was fam- a family member. But, no, I mean, it was – there, there was there was an hour there where you're really concerned about getting a hold of people is what I remember most. Well, I remember – And I'm then just, the pictures were just – Yeah. The one picture I remember that was craziest is it was, it was a church in Smithville. And the entire church was demolished except for one room right in the middle, and it's where they kept all of their, like, choir robes and all the, almost like a closet. Mm-hmm. So everything is gone and you in, in distance and everything, and there's one room, and you see these starched white choir robes that have not been touched and are just sitting on this row. And there was something about it that was really, really powerful just kind of looking at it. Well, I remember it was early that day, the – We've had this debate before whether it was a tornado or straight line winds that basically went through this neighborhood. I remember the sound and getting the kids into the hall bathroom and running and grabbing Carson as the uh, the window next to my wife's side of the bed blew up. Basically, mm-hmm. just I remember that, and then later that I guess it was later that day I was at my parents house and the girls were at school and remember that they were talking about here it comes in right through oxford they were talking about it coming through downtown oxford and it was so scary just not being at the same place oh that's right i remember remember that i remember being very frustrated and and antsy that the kids weren't here and then that afternoon you know we came back over here and started kind of cleaning up from the morning and hearing what what happened in tupelo i mean not tupelo uh, tuscaloosa seeing the pictures the picture that I remember was the one with the tornado juxtaposed to Bryant Denny. 
and it was just right, basically looked like it was headed right for it. And you knew something that big did colossal damage, and it did. And Yeah, I forgot that was this day. Yeah, I did not remember the day. 11 years ago. Yeah. So, um, I know we're shocked by this, and I haven't read everybody. It's like I see some people, that I see a couple of comments in the thread that there were some major water carries. I haven't read what Pat said. I don't know. Um, I haven't gotten well, That would have been the first place I would have gone. Well, Sorry. I stumbled across Wolken, so I yeah. assume they all had similar well, they, they got the similar same, views. They got the same uh, marching, same text, same marching orders, same 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 post. It was sent to all of them. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start there. I, <laughs> Wolken essentially said that Emirate did a really really poor job, but the the machination and the way that the job is structured, if they don't fix it or bring in some blood from outside of athletics, or essentially if they just do the same thing over and over and over again. History is going to be repeated, and it's not going to matter who's in charge unless you really get creative and find ways to make the NCAA relevant moving forward. That Emirates is at fault, but that if they simply go promote the AD or president at Washington or something along those lines, you're just cycling through and doing the exact same thing over and over and over again. It pains me to say this, but I agree with Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm going to need a minute. Well, you get like one a year. I mean, you're like, okay, like it's, 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 it's yeah. That, that basically, the NCAA has gotten to a point where it is, it has no teeth, it has no direction, and that if you just bring in another university person, it just sort of becomes what it is. That frankly, he would suggest coming, bringing somebody in from completely outside of athletics and viewing it as a business. Uh, I I agree. Okay. Completely. <laughs> You're right over there. Uh, it's like bile or something. It's just You didn't have that. Uh no. You did not have that on your bingo card when we started this morning, did you? No. No, he's right though. It's hard I mean I I can't argue with the word of that. I mean he's he's one hundred percent right. Now, where's that column been over the last 10 years? Well, no. Well, 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 now I feel better. Ah, see? see, I'm better. It's better already. Ah. But no, he's he's right. That's that's true. If you just hire the president at the University of Michigan or somewhere, you're, you're, you're going to repeat it. Now, how do you treat it like a business when it's not a business? The- how do you treat it like a corporation when... Well, you do make a good like, – I got a couple things here. You make a really good point. I mean, he could have said this at any point, but we wait until he's out until we, we go here. Uh, it frankly kind of reminds me of some coach changes. Uh, <laughs> if the measure of a leader, whether the organization is better or worse for their tenure, there's no real debate about Emmert's legacy. Over nearly a dozen years in office, the NCAA standing on almost every issue critical to his existence has diminished. Wasn't the result of bad luck or even necessarily clunky constraints in the NCAA's big tent, college president-driven structure – but it was name, image, likeness, to rules enforcement, to gender equity, to transfers, negotiating television contracts, to forming a legal strategy in cases that could be considered existential threats to the organization. The NCAA under Emmert was reactive rather than proactive, lacked the vision to anticipate big changes, and settle for small bore solutions to paper over foundational problems. True. Yeah. But. Yeah. 
I mean, true. But I mean, if you really wanted to shake it up as the as the lead college football writer for USA Today, you you could have written that years ago. Oh, we didn't want to write it when you ago. didn't have the safety of him being out. It, it is literally the equivalent at the end of the 2011 season to suddenly writing that Houston Nutt was doing a bad job. I I know nobody will be shocked by this. Of, of the few I read, I thought Staples had the most nuanced quality takes. Um, Imagine that. He, look, he, he what, did evis- a, what did Andy write? He eviscerated him, of course, mm-hmm. as he as he should have. Yes, he did make a point though that I thought a couple things were interesting. He went back and really to the very start of his tenure and mentioned a couple things. And Emmert, when he first got started, he proposed. I don't have it. Up, maybe I even do have it up. And I, if I get it a little wrong, you guys can read it. It's at the Athletic Staples at a time when the NCAA needed a visionary leader. It hired Mark Emmert. His failures were plain to see. But he talks about a 2009. Uh, or in November 2010, when he took over, that he did a couple different things to push the envelope to try to help players to do some of these things that at the time were were fairly creative and inventive and or or signs of where we are at today. I mean, he has this paragraph here, and again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. He said, Emmert did try to exercise power at first. In fact, one of his first major acts suggested he was keenly aware of the iceberg ahead. Less than a year into his tenure, he held a retreat that included various university CEOs. During this retreat, he pushed the idea to schools that they should be allowed to provide up to $2,000 a year stipend as part of an athletic scholarship to help those scholarships get closer to the actual cost of attendance figures that the schools submitted to the federal government every year. He voiced support for the NSC Commissioner Mike Slav's idea to allow schools to offer four-year athletic scholarships instead of one-year renewable ones. There's strong appetite to find ways to allow us to be more flexible, he told ESPN. All of our one-size-fits-all rules don't really work when you've got schools as different as a small liberal arts college and a great big university. So he did, like, this is way before any of this stuff happened. This is all fairly interesting. Yeah. Here's what happened. He got got voted over. Led by the Boise State's president or somebody, they essentially told him no. They were not doing any of that. And then almost immediately it got comical. Like, they talked about letting players do advertising and commercials for businesses and different things as early as 2012. But the money went to the school, not the player, under that under that program, which, come on, that's yeah. so stupid. Point being, he has been awful. He collected a ton of money to take a lot of bullets. He's done nothing to advance the NCAA in whatsoever. But it's almost like he tried early and then gave up. And went, you know what? This is what it is. Oh, yeah. This is a really good call. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting that it's not it's not excusing him in any stretch of the imagination. He's been terrible. And it's admitting that he's been terrible and he has no backbone and he was only doing things that made no difference. So but, let, me, let me read two paragraphs yeah, for sure. the people that haven't read it. I, I pulled this up. And so anybody that doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Andy Staples fan. I think he's, I think he's the single best writer and reporter covering college athletics today. Yeah, I think voice is a good way to put it because you kind of talking about everything he does yeah. that allows him to be contextualizing things. Dellinger's right there with him, mm-hmm. but maybe because I've known Ross him. Ross is a better writer. Andy has been a little more nuanced of an overall voice. Yeah. They both have uh, sharp fingernails. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is just a couple paragraphs from this. He says, except the appetite apparently wasn't that strong. Several leaders, most notably Boise State President Bob Kustra, voiced their disapproval of the plan. It didn't survive an override vote, and an ever-so-tiny step toward progress was scuttled. It showed promise that Emmert saw a potential issue and worked toward a potential solution, 
but not being able to matriculate even that minuscule gesture across the goal line was a political failure that foreshadowed what was to come. Instead of building a consensus, Emmert allowed some short-sighted people to cause the NCAA to dig in its heels even further in the school's effort, schools plural, effort to keep money away from athletes even as they poured more every day into coaching salaries, athletic director salaries, and questionably necessary facility improvements. Emmert tried to grab the reins and curry public favor in 2012 when he and his hand-picked executive committee rammed through sanctions against Penn State for the Jerry Sandusky scandal. But Emmert didn't consider several things. The NCAA had no authority to punish a school's football program for something that was clearly a criminal matter, and going outside the usual enforcement procedure to issue such a punishment would sow mistrust from the leaders of the schools the NCAA governs. The NCAA rolled back the penalties two years later, a few months before Emmert Crony and Oregon State President Ed Ray, the chair of the executive committee, revealed in a deposition that he didn't even bother to read the free report which was the basis for the punishment before issuing the punishment. <laughs> it's and like, you wonder how trust was It's was like Congress. Up. It's like okay. Congress. Did you read the bill? No, I didn't read the bill. So you voted on a bill that you didn't read. And then it's over, right? I mean... At that point, you're down the hill and it, it is what it is. Yeah, sure. You know, it's 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 yeah, you're done. And that's before all the O'Bannon stuff happened. It's For just, so much stuff. They bungle a lot more investigations. I mean it, it's it's they all became cronies. Emmert was one too. They were one both ways. It was like this it was this arrow that points in both directions and they're all cronies to each other. He's placating a bunch of presidents. The play, presidents are paying him and letting him take bullets. It's like the dumbed-down copy of a copy of a copy of what Roger Goodell does to make sure all the owners are happy. Yeah. Except in much less successful ways. But, you know, that's, I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down and reading that, that column yeah. in its entirety. Um, but back to Dan for a minute. I mean, if you can excuse the 10 years of neglect, uh, he's right. I will be fascinated to see where it goes from here. My guess is that they will hire another Mark Emmert and just continue to repeat the cycle because that seems to be all the NCAA really knows how to do. Dan says early favorites, if they go that route of doing the same thing over and over again, are Washington State's Kirk Schultz, who previously chaired the NCAA Board of Governors, or Baylor's Linda Livingstone, a former college basketball player who served on the Division One Board of Directors and Board of Governors. Hold on, we're going to hire someone from Baylor? <laughs> I, well, they've seen it hold all. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Speaking of criminal cases. <laughs> Greg Sankey won't want this, right? I don't know. His name was thrown about a bit yesterday. Um, if I were the NCAA, Greg Sankey would have to tell me no. Really? Before we move forward. Yeah, I would. You would hire him if he wanted to. I gig. would fly to Birmingham, request an, an audience, 
and ask if we could talk a few times. I'd I'd want several no's. What is it about him that you think would do well here? The guy saved college football two years ago. Okay, that helps. I mean, the the guy, but but he, but it's not just that, right? It's it's that he knows how. Look, can we? Can I get? quasi-political for just a moment without people getting upset. Greg Sankey knew in the summer of 2020 that the political winds were blowing everything one way. And he also knew or believed strongly based on what he had heard from talking to a lot of people that that was the wrong decision. That canceling the 2020 season, which is what everyone except Greg Sankey wanted to do, was going to be a disaster. And it was the wrong decision. He believed that you could have a season. He believed that there was a rush to do things because there was a political sentiment to do it. Privately, I think he believed that COVID was a joke. Okay, but I, but I won't put those words in his mouth. He believed there was a way to do it. He did not believe that young people were impacted. He believed there was a way to do it where you could safely have the season. They deeply resented some of the arguments. I know this for a fact. They deeply resented some of the articles about, hey, if you do this, like Dennis Dodge joke of a piece. all The, the Illinois thing. The Illinois thing where all yeah. the people would die. No one died. No one has ever circled back and went, hey, we were wrong. Because that's media. But he knew that. And he, he single-handedly, without upsetting people, slowed it down well people say the slowing it down is kind of what he's known for in general he's his elasticity is so good to where he goes hey look if no if the problem gets worse then we'll we'll hold back okay we're just going to keep moving forward though until there actually is a problem yeah that was his thing was hey look okay we'll be flexible and we'll do this and we'll do these kind of things and that's kind of what he does with everything i mean everybody well, makes it's jokes him with the about playoff it. chase it's him with the playoff yeah. he's the one that's going hey there's no incentive really there's really no incentive for the sec this is one of the reasons I'm, I would be a Greg Sankey advocate. Yeah, sure. There's no incentive for the SEC to expand the playoff. The SEC wins the damn thing every year. If it's not LSU, if it's not Alabama, if it's not Georgia, if it's not some upstart. Because if it's not Alabama, that means that somebody in the SEC West, Texas A&M or Ole Miss or whoever, beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't get there. Because yeah, to sure. get there, you got to get through Alabama. Yeah. The SEC is going to be in the championship game every year. They're going to get one of the four spots every single year, and they're going to get two of the four spots every other year. Mm -hmm. So if he were just thinking about the SEC, he'd be like, screw it, we're good. He's one of the ones advocating 12 teams because you know it it, it, it involves That's what made him mad two months ago or three months ago or six months ago. I don't know. It all runs together when we're in that room. And he said, okay, guys, I don't care. I'll do any of it, but y'all make a decision. Now I'm just pissed off because y'all can't decide it. I don't even need you. I'm just agreeing to agree. Yeah, you flew me to Dallas or Indianapolis yeah, yeah. or whatever. It made me sit here and drink bad coffee for it, and I could have gone for my run. Yeah. All right, we could have done this, but you don't want to because you're scared of change. Look, it has to change. Like, I'm, I'm looking at another Andy Staples article that's out this morning. The headline is, Texas A&M donors giving millions – for facilities and, quote, the fund with goal of dancing on Kyle Field for years to come, you've got all this NIL stuff that has to somehow be legislated as the wrong – managed is the right word. Thank you. You've got that. You've got very – what at least I think 
there's more real realignment coming. I think there's drastic realignment coming. I don't know if it's coming next year or in five years or in 10 years, but you're going to have to have somebody who has a, a practical, pragmatic, hands-on vision for where college athletics are going. Because the face college athletics today on April 27th of 2022 look a hell of a lot different than they did just three years ago. Oh, sure. Daylight and dark. If I told you on April the 27th, 2019, that it would look like this, you'd have been like, I don't don't know, Neil. I don't don't think so. That's fast. I think you've been smoking something. It happened really fast. So what if it keeps spinning this fast? What does it look like in three years? I mean, we're we're talking about – a high school quarterback, a kid who hasn't played a game in his senior year yet, already has an $8 million deal? Mm-hmm. That's change. Yeah. And his name's not Arch Manning. No, no, no. Oh, we haven't seen that deal yet. So. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on. I think you need somebody who understands. And I, I don't think a university president who mostly deals with academic matters and fundraising – I don't think they're able to walk into that office and do any better job than Mark Emmert. I also need a congressional voice, somebody who can navigate D.C. a little bit. I mean, you're potentially going to run into that at some point. I mean, we don't know what's going to be legislated or not legislated. There's a lot of things here, and it's it's going to take a multifaceted person to at all save any type of whatever you want to call it, for the, the NCAA. But a point. couple people in the thread, uh, Hardman, Wayback Reb, they've both said the same thing, which is, but nobody else, because of what I'm saying is why no one else will allow this to happen. And to me, that's what that's the danger of where college athletics are today, is that there, there there's such a concern about what will this do to our league, what will this do to my school, that there's no overriding vision for where this is going. Yeah. I mean, I said this on a radio show this morning. The idea, really, if you think about it, Chase, the idea that the University of Louisiana at Monroe and the University of Texas are in the same division being governed by the same set of rules is ludicrous. If you think about that practically, it's ludicrous. The fact that Delta State is in the same division or same set of overriding rules as the University of Mississippi and Mississippi State University is we're all kidding ourselves here. Mm-hmm. And it's the irony, the irony in the, maybe with the, when that, there's a lot of good points, but that Staples point of that is, hey, he said that and then 12 years of doing the exact same thing. Yeah, he saw it. It's almost like the guy that goes to Congress, right, with all yeah. these fresh ideas. Idealistic. Oh, and- man, and before you know it, you know, they got you coked up one night, got some pictures of you with somebody else, and before you know it, you're just you're just with the lobbies, lobbyists. Mm-hmm. They control you. And and I think that's probably what happened. Probably what happened to Emmert. Yeah. The enforcement arm is just one 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 small one element. small piece of this, but yeah. You know, you you have you have these cases that go on and on and on and and it it, it has sowed mistrust throughout i mean if you talk to people around college athletics they'll tell you that they don't trust the ncaa yeah morning and second first four day i'll tell you about community mortgage oxford memphis soto county and chattanooga all underwriting and processing is done in memphis so you're going to look underwriting and understand your market a leader in condo financing the float down option and more you can find jason at 662-234-2704 or j-l-o-w-a-e at community mtg.com we're also brought to you by Dead Soxy, best socks you'll ever put on your feet. It's getting hot out there. Uh, a lot of people um, like to have something 
between their skin and the loafer. The Dead Soxy no-shows are fantastic. Check them out at deadsoxy.com. Promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. Get 25% uh, off your order. Game Changer patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. Warm-up patch used before while you drink. Overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for the next play. So go to GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Uh, ACS is owned by my friend Clay McNutt there in Baldwin, Mississippi. It's a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. ACS has a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel shop. If you're in need of custom HMI and SCADA solutions or large horsepower VFD specialist, AS, ACS has you covered. They can service and install Rockwell Automation, Allen Bradley, Siemens, ABB, Square D, and many other manufacturers. It's ACSLLCMS.com or call 662-601-4381. We're brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. They've been serving the Oxford area for uh Three quarters of a century, basically. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, fashion jewelry, collectibles, so much more. They're the gold standard in fine jewelry. LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. We'll have some sort of a hand-raised guide tomorrow. We're not really sure what we're doing, but we'll have a show for you. It's brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, you want to get in touch with Comer at 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or that area, call the people at Southern, 662-429-4429. Podcast is brought to you by Johnston Hill Creamery, johnstonhillcreamery.com, or go to their Instagram page, that is at Creamery. Small batch and traditional cheese made locally in-house every single day. It's just off Molly Bar in Oxford on White Oak Lane. And you still have time to get your uh, Mother's Day pre-orders in. They've got a menu for that, a dessert box. It's got cannolis, chocolate-covered strawberries, cheesecake dip, and more. The artisanal cheese box, as always, with some different new selections in it. And then if you like chocolate-covered strawberries, just buy the half dozen the dozen. They've got those, too. Pick up May 5th through 7th. You can call them 662-419-9201. Or cheese at johnsonhillcreamery.com. Again, um, Mother's Day just around the uh, the corner. Um, let's see. Where are we going next? I'm interested to read this Texas A&M story there. What is it about? Uh, the lead to it is after dinner Friday night, they danced on Kyle Field. It's a really good lead. Uh, he says that this wasn't like October 9th when they stayed in their suites and cheered while thousands of Texas A&M students spilled onto the field to celebrate Seth Small's field goal that slayed Alabama. This time, the Aggies' biggest athletics donors had the field to themselves. The Limelight Band of Emerald City, a Dallas-based group with the seriously hot horn section, blasted earth, wind, and fire September from a stage from a raised stage at midfield, and a group of millionaires shook their asses down below. <laughs> okay. says, the evening kicked off the 12th Man Foundation's Champions Council Weekend. Boy, can you imagine that group? So these, it's a fundraiser. These were the heaviest hitters in a moneyed fan base. Several had given eight figures in lifetime donations. At least one had made a $10 million pledge that instead of paying over the customary five years, he made good on a single wire transfer. Okay. 
The 12th Man Foundation, Texas A&M's athletics fundraising arm, had put together this weekend celebration to launch a new capital campaign, and that seemed as good a time as any to answer a question. In the age of name, image, and likeness, NIL deals, when college football players can essentially be paid for any reason, except, oddly, for being college football players, <laughs> will donors still give to the athletics department the for facilities and other expenses? The weekend certainly answered that question as far as Aggies are concerned. The quiet phase of the $120 million centennial campaign, which will fund a 140-yard indoor practice facility, (laughs) a new academic and nutrition center for all athletes, and a new indoor track, netted $88 million in pledges to be paid over several years. As of Friday night, the 12th Man Foundation already had $27 million of that in hand. Shovels can go into the ground immediately on a group of projects estimated to cost $235 million by the time they're completed. I'm searching for the rest of this. But yeah. at the same time, some of the donors to the capital campaign met among themselves inside and away from the football program to discuss their roles as investors in what they, with tongues planted firmly in cheek, call the fund. This is the marketing campaign set up for a for-profit limited liability corporation that manages NIL deals for Texas A&M athletes. In accordance with Texas law, it is not officially affiliated with the school or the athletic department. It is run by some of Texas A&M's biggest donors, and as of Friday night, Some of them were worried that they were falling behind the NIL collectives working on behalf of the rest of the big money schools in the SEC. I'm just reading from Okay, so what's what's interesting about this is that every school that has any sort of NIL collectives going on is dealing with this. I mean, Ole Miss is – it's actually incredibly relevant to Ole Miss right now. They've got a capital campaign going on that they're in the middle of the Manning Center. It'll be done sometime next summer. They've got a stadium renovation that potentially could get put on hold because of inflation and bond prices and different things at some point. They've got a bunch of smaller projects that are important. They've got a softball stadium that has to be fixed quickly because of Title IX, even though they just need it in general. I mean, there's lots of stuff going on right now. And, look, I get the question, and I don't have an answer. So if I'm getting the question, I can't imagine how many times Keith Carter and Denson Hollis are getting the question of, what do we give to the NIL or do we give to the, to the, to the campaign? Yeah. What do we do? Where do we give the money? And the plan in place of who you approach for both, who do you approach for each, how do you go about that? I mean, it's it's a fairly fascinating strategy that I'd be pretty interested in is how do you manage those type of things with donors and boosters and different things that that from a giving money standpoint, it's it's because there's only so much to go around. I mean, A and M's stupid. I mean, it's one thing that I mean, all jokes aside, just talking to Ross right after he had taken the job and the number of people at A&M with some level of voice or you have to know their name because the level of giving they do Stroke. is a it is an exponential number compared to anything that I have an ability to grasp here that is it's, it's fairly astonishing. I mean, it's, it's bully for them, but good God at the number of cooks in the kitchen. Well, and look, I'm not one to feel sorry for Jimbo Fisher, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know when all these reports came out about how much was getting paid for this class, you know what happened, right? Players on the existing roster said, "Hey, coach, knock knock, we're already here." Yeah, where's my deal? I mean, dude, this 85 kids getting everybody getting paid and and stuff is 
I do question how sustainable this is. You talk about adding another layer of headache for coaches, for administrators. I mean, it's it's why when you bring in the freshman quarterback at $8 million and he doesn't pan out, the kid who's winning the job, the kid who's winning games, who's packing the stadium, quite naturally is going to say, hey, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Where's mine? Right? Oh, sure. I mean, if you're doing all the work and I'm the one taking home all the money, it's going to get old pretty quick. I don't know where it goes. A lot of pressure on them, though. But they'll build all that stuff. When you build all that stuff, does it equate to wins? At here's some the, point, it doesn't. So here's the question, right? So if you're there is a line where. So if you're a player, right? If yeah. you're a, if you're a prospect and you're going through the recruiting process, and now they sh- back in the day, like two years ago, they would bring you to these facilities and go, "Look, it's a chocolate waterfall in the middle of our football facility. The beds it? or whatever at LSU. Yeah." The- well, now the kid goes in and goes, yeah, it's all cool. What am I getting? The Clemson who had a fire pole or a slide they or something? They had the slide. Okay. You, yeah. I mean, so they all have these you know, these gadgets, and it's cool, and it's sparkly and stuff. Ole Miss takes a lot of pictures in their barbershop. But now it's, okay, but is like Ole Miss is getting ready to do the Manning Center thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it needs to be done, and they're going to do all these things. But you do, as you're spending money on stuff, don't you have to ask, is, what do the kids want? Do they want stuff? Or do they want money? Or do they want both? And I don't know the answer to that. My guess is they want the money. Are they going to be as toy-focused as they were just three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. Or now is it all about NIL? Feels it's, NIL. It's why Past I, a certain point where you're getting... It's why I wrote that story on Saturday about Jaden Rashada and, and his interaction with the recruits at Arkansas when he'd been there the week before. And someone said, remember that was Luke, whatever his name is, the tight end that's the, a, a kid that they have committed there. He took a picture with Rashada and some other kid. Um, I can't remember the kid's name. Um, anyway, they took a picture and, oh, that's right. hey, help that's me right. get these guys to Fayetteville is what he tweeted, right? And Rashada quote tweeted it with, let's talk business. He did. Five years ago, you'd be, what does that mean? Today, you go, that means he's talking, let's talk NIL. I don't know. When you would admit when Kyle Madden said it was a business decision back in 2012. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But now it doesn't have to be under the table. It doesn't have to be quiet. When he says, let's talk. Well, in a lot of states, including Mississippi, the schools can be involved with NIL publicly. Yeah. The legislation's changing. Yeah. So when he says, let's talk business, okay, let's, let's talk. That's why I, my, I think my line in my column was, Let's talk business indeed. I mean, let's do it. And he comes here the next week, and I know for a fact that they talked business on Saturday. Yeah. I want to talk about Corral in a minute, and we're going to do that in a second. So, But I've got a couple of things just quickly to kind of get into a break and then come out because I don't want to stop. Uh, we didn't ever do this like a week ago. And I see now that this Jerry West thing with – um, on winning time, on winning time uh-huh. continues to escalate. And my question is this, and if you haven't watched it, it's not, I haven't either. It's not about the show. 
is Jerry West. Has Have you been, watched? No, I haven't at all. Okay. Jerry West, and again, it's not really relevant to what I'm saying. Jerry West has been pissed off by how he's characterized inside the series, which appears to be over-dramatized and unfair to some extent. I mean, I don't know him. For people who don't know, he is portrayed as being perpetually miserable. Yeah. Um, driven by nothing but winning, haunted by so many close calls in his professional career, and unable to sit back and kind of enjoy the spoils. There's a negative connotation to his character. Yeah. But it's deep. It's more complicated. But it's not like it's it's not as bad as the the way that, say, Jerry Buss is portrayed. It's not as bad in some ways as the way Magic Johnson is portrayed. It's humanizing in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all human and they all, we all, you know, we we all have foibles. So here's here's my point, though. And this is it's interesting about it to me is that maybe I'm not even speaking from a point that I can because I haven't watched it, but he fully believes he's been wronged here, that his reputation is being hurt by this. Okay. He says yesterday after HBO said they were they uh, resolutely are standing behind the show, he says that they will take them all the way to the Supreme Court to rectify this decision. Here's my point. At some level, when you keep on and get this pissed off, you're proving them right. So where is the point of, hey, no, I'm really serious. You guys suck, and I'm mad about it. But then when you keep on, where do you cross that splice point to, oh, well, actually, I'm kind of being stupid here, and just let it go. We're getting there, right? Aren't we there now? Oh, I think we're there. To where he's actually doing the opposite of what he thought he was trying he's, to do at that point. He's proving that they're not that far off. But but obviously it's not a documentary. No, it's a dramatization. They're taking some some leaps to tell a story <clears throat> because they're telling a what a twenty year story in in sixteen hours. Yeah, I mean you got. I mean, we need some license here. Yeah, you're gonna have to, and we have to make it entertaining, and we got to add some depth, and yeah, we got to do gotta, some stuff. Got to put some stuff on the cutting room floor. I mean, we made fun of it yesterday, but that's why Moneyball didn't talk a ton about Tim Hudson. Okay, well, fine, that wasn't really the point. Or, as someone pointed out, that a lot of their power hitters were some of the ones that got exposed for doing steroids. Ooh, okay. D- down the road, yeah. I, I don't it's, know. I by the way, it's, if, if you haven't watched it, it's a great show. It's really winning really, time. Winning time's really good. Okay. I mean, it lets you. I think it takes you behind the curtain in a way that. Okay. If you, if you just like sport, you don't have to like the NBA. If you just like sports and the whole Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. You know, I don't think people understand that are younger. Like I, I've talked about this with Carson so many times, and I, I think it's foreign to him. Because he, he's grown up in an era where, you know, the NBA playoffs are a big deal, right? You know, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and Kenny Smith and Ernie Johnson are doing hours of television every night during the playoffs, and it's award-winning stuff, and the games are good. And, like, that that game last night, Grizzlies and Timberwolves, was just fantastic. And you have all these young stars. When When Johnson and Bird came into the league, the league was dying. That is a good point in the thread, that when the logo is literally you, you probably should just chill out, and I yeah. think you're getting some respect along your... Uh, your yeah, nobody just, nobody just, questions Jerry... Just saying. Nobody questions Jerry West's legacy as an NBA player or executive. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, a couple quick things before we get in the crowd in a second. Uh, you know, Ole Miss wins 5-2 last night. Go to Fayetteville, 6-12, 23-17 now. Drew McDaniel was fine last night. Thought he showed some toughness. He did walk five, though. And as a pitching staff, while they threw up eight scoreless innings, which that's the point. Okay, good. And one of the runs was unearned off of, off of Burford era, era in the first, is their strike percentage was only 53% last night. That was low. That's low. You're, you're you're asking for traffic everywhere. Are the alleys in that stadium like 500 feet, or what's the deal? <laughs> the wind was blowing dead in. Because that one kid for state that I <laughs> saw. crushed it. I mean, he hit that ball as hard. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> he hit that ball to left center field about as well as, as probably he's ever hit a ball in his entire it's life. It's crazy. That's like in that tree up there. And it he, just died. He had to hit that. And what had to go through his mind was, oh, my God, that felt good. Out. And then he sees the left fielder catch it at the wall, and it it had to be. I watched his body reaction when he was kind of just jogging off the field. It was kind of like just son of a. I mean, what do you do? Oh, I mean, you can't go into the dugout and be like, "Hey, coach, I failed." No, coach, I I I, I crushed it. I hit that thing onto the tennis courts. It. I, I did see somebody say that my, when minor league parks are graded, that it is like one of the most pitcher friendly parks in in minor league baseball. It must be something just, where the wind blows and stuff. the way it sits in the yeah, hole or yeah. whatever. But I mean, it no, there was. <laughs> is he Ole Miss that? had two or three, and State had like four that would have been moonshots in college parks that yeah. just died out there and, yeah. and did whatever they did. But look, <laughs> as Mike said, after losing to Carolina, both teams play in the same park. Ole Miss won a, won a oh, baseball sure. game. Oh, I'm not taking anything yeah, no, away I from know. them. Uh, you know. Brandon Johnson had a successful nice inning, at least getting out of it. Look, if they're going to do anything just to win some games the rest of the way, he's got to get, get to, to be pretty good, especially with injuries piling up. I mean, I, I'm not going to speculate. Um, we'll see. I saw somebody in the thread on the message board thread from the observation say that they thought the MRI was getting read today. But I didn't like – body language isn't the right word. I didn't like the cadence of Mike's quote. And I know that sounds like I'm really being nitpicky. But Nick Suss asked last night, do you have any update on Riley Maddox? And Mike kind of stalled, and he sort of him and hawed for a second, and then he said no, that they were still waiting to get some tests back. MRIs don't take days to get tests back. No. Um, it it, it, Feels it like felt so. like a bad sign. Do I know that? No, I do not. But that felt weird to me when it was said. Um, TJ McCants was back home yesterday with a an illness in his family. He is supposed to be in Fayetteville this weekend. If that changes, we'll do our best to let you know. I don't I don't know there. I I feel bad for what he has going on, and I feel bad that it became a public topic over the weekend because some people feel more the need to be involved than just leave something alone from a family matter. So TJ's deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he he. he I'm giving that kid a lot of slack right now. He has had a very difficult few months, and um, it's going to be hard. It's hard to play baseball in the middle of that. Sure, you're human. So yeah, and these, I mean, I stands to be said again. These these are young people. Mm-hmm. They're young people. They're still figuring out. I mean, hell, I'm 52 and I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's not figured out yet. Is um, it? but these are young guys and girls trying to figure it out. And I mean, if you read some of the headlines out there about college athletics, it, it, it should lend you some pause yeah, but, when you criticize young people who are doing their best. Yeah. 
All right, we'll talk Matt Corral in uh, in a second. For the did I do that? Tell you about G and M Pharmacy, G and M on South Lamar and Oxford, 662-236-2222. Give them a call to transfer your medication from a big box pharmacy. You can use G and M here locally. They're going to deliver all throughout the Oxford area, and they offer medicine, fee prescriptions the same day each month, and take care of you. So whether it's with Tyson Drugs and Holly Springs or with G and M, again that is 662-236-2222. College Corners, your one-stop Rebel shop. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's okay. Go visit collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you're tailgating in Oxford or homegating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day. The largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. We'll tape a mind on my money tomorrow. That's brought to you by Pinnacle. Check them out at mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N-Wealth.com. Brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. You guys know how this works. You get in touch with John. You just give him some parameters and a budget and um, give him some options, and he'll come up with uh, as complicated or as simple a vacation plan as you'd like, but it will be full of things that you're not going to find on your own. I know you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. Brought to you by Opa, Oxford's newest restaurant on the square. Has uh, euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, an amazing candlelit patio, and much, much more. 306 South Lamar, just south of the Square Courthouse in Oxford. And we're brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. Um, they've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's Grenada Nissan USA. Dot com. I'll have a mailbag up a little bit later today. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, and you can get in touch with her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. So, okay, hold on. Do you agree um, with, I just read a tweet from somebody says, every adult male should be able to bench 225 pounds. Do you agree with that? Every adult male? Every well, adult no. male should be able to bench press 225 Because isn't like sort of the going rate for like being pretty fit, your body weight in bench press? Isn't that like a pretty good like normal standard? I would think. I mean, right? most people, I mean, there's a lot that don't weigh 225. Could you bench 225 one Hell time? Hell no. I don't think so. I mean, I, I haven't been under a bench press really? in a really long time, but I, I, my guess is no, right? I I doubt it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I guess that could be our next video. I don't know, but. Oof. I, don't I mean, want, I, don't, I don't want that on video. See, here's my thing. With, I mean, I would feel comfortable at 185 for sure, but I feel like. I, I do bench press when I go frequently. See, I haven't been under a bench press literally since I've played baseball. But my thing is when I bench press, two things. Okay. Uh, you had no idea we were going here. Yeah, Sorry. Whatever. I just read that and I started thinking about it. Is I don't have anybody to spot me, so I'm not going to go a bunch of heavy weight. So I'll put 155 to 175 on it and rep it. Well, then you probably may, may you know, you probably could. Three man. sets of 10 or whatever. But I, if I put much more than that on there, like if something happened, then like, you know, you, you, you by yourself, you could get hurt. Yeah, I do a decent amount of like dumbbell press stuff, but I haven't been with a with a barbell in years and years and years. So I would have no, I, I have no idea. 
No clue. But my, no, my guess is hell no. I mean, I, I'm I'm not overly confident in that arena. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's benchmarks to where if you're really good, yeah, I mean, yeah, body weight's a good goal, I think. I think that's a really good number, you know, eight-minute mile for the average person, like yeah. that kind of thing. That's Stuff those are like sort that. of your numbers that, you know, can you do those things? You're in pretty good. You could run an eight-minute mile easy. Yeah, and I get I get pissed off with my Garmin. I mean, just one, I will move on to Matt Crow in a second because it always gives me like my ratings and like what percentage I'm in. Yeah, but it's percentage of Garmin wearers that run. It's like, well, that's not yeah, fair. You mean the percentage of the actual population, yeah. asshole? Like, yeah. what about like, the percentage of people in this damn Walmart right here? Yeah, it's like you're a below average for your age. It's like, oh, screw you. <laughs> Yeah, compared to all the triathlon runners out there. Yeah, yeah. sorry. My VO2 max isn't as high as theirs. So yeah. I apologize. Because that 305-pound guy, he's not buying a Garmin. No. I mean, that's what I, yeah, <laughs> every single time. I look it up on the internet, and I'm like, no, above average, right there. It says it on the thing. Garmin's like, no, sorry, you suck today. It's like, okay, thanks. It's like on the roof. If you have a few bad days in a row, it'd be like, you should consider a lifestyle change. It's like, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that, whoop. Awesome. Did you drink last night? What do you? What the hell do you think? Whoop. <laughs> we don't do that. Like in the little journal, like how much alcohol? It's like okay, back off. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like okay. So anyway, Matt Corral got a little sidetracked there. Um, yeah, we need a spotter at two twenty-five. I don't want to like break something. Oh hell no! Um, I wouldn't even. Think I can't about snoop it. Connor and just throw that bad boy up and, no. and move on with my day. No. All right, so Bruce has this. Well, you do watch those guys. You're like, we're not all made the same. Oh, God, no. It's lying season, okay? So yes. scouts, coaches. But here's the deal with this. This is anonymous. Could that still impact something? Sure. But I, I have a, I've talked to a few people. The draft freaks out on draft night, especially with quarterbacks. So if Matt Corral gets a much better draft pick than we believe or that it seems to be indicated right now, that won't shock me because everybody dies for quarterbacks and goes, God, 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 we just got to get one, and crazy things happen. And as we always said, it just takes one team. 30 teams can hate you, 29 teams can hate you, and one team loves you, and you're golden. It's all good at that point. I mean, it's baseball, but the comparison I always gave is back in the day, Jake Overby, who played at Ole Miss and went other places, out of high school, he was like a 30th 40-ground pick. Like, I didn't expect to deal with him whatsoever the first two days, and the Phillies took him in the 10th round. Phillies liked him. Okay, you're a tenth round pick. I mean, it's yeah, it's a lot like the money thing with NIL. You are what one person is willing to pay you or draft you. Same thing. Well, so, most NFL teams have their board, and they they they're pretty stubborn about sticking to their board. Anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're good. <laughs> JM goes, yeah, cool, bro. You can bitch two eighty five. Nice. Can you run nonstop for three hours? No, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, oh. Um, <laughs> Quarterback coach one, his quickness is elite, but his pro day, it was a lower and tighter release, which was a concern. You have to throw from different arm slots and change the launch point. I love the player, but he's got to get that fixed. One quarterback coach. I'm going to read all these, and then we'll kind of talk about it. But the point is, they kind of all have the same problems. And that is what, it's not necessarily lying season when everybody identifies you the same way through these things. It also shows us that we have no idea what they were looking at. Oh, yeah. To a degree that Things is Things like this validate my approach to the way I cover football. Yeah. Quarterback coach, too. I watched his pro day. It was bad. He missed on a lot of throws, and I was like, what is he doing? He already has a borderline too quick of a release. 
It's like someone told him you need to make it even faster. He was barely bringing the ball back. Typically, most guys turn the ball away from their head and then bring it back forward. Some guys like Tom and Mac Jones barely turn it at all. Corral literally brings the ball back from his carriage up by his ear and then forward. It's impressive he can get anything on the ball, frankly. Compact is good and quick is good, but now it's almost so shot-puttish that it can lead to amount of batted balls. That motion can limit your throw repertoire. It can be inconsistent when you have to layer a throw, like on a cornerback with an outside linebacker or a nickel buzzing out, and you have to get it over that guy. I think the biggest issue, though, is off the field. I might be a little overly critical just from some guys we've had to deal with, but I wouldn't touch him. With his personality, I have a hard time viewing him as a backup or a third string because usually those guys are super supportive, super smart. He might be all those things, but I'm sorry, I just don't get that vibe. I have not ever thought about it like that. And got and a couple more sentences, and then we'll I, go. I get it. Scout one. two. I like Matt. I don't love him. His pro day was terrible. He started spraying it everywhere. I think he'll get overdrafted. I don't worry about the all-field stuff with him. Prior to this year, I did. Scout one. My big questions when I saw him at the combine and saw how thin his frame is and how small he is, how, how small his joints were. If he's Is he going to be playing in January? Can he hold up? Yeah. I don't think the off-field stuff as far as him getting in trouble is a yeah. relevant topic whatsoever. Teams are doing that in a way that they're overthinking this. I do understand what they're saying about the per, his personality being a backup. You know, now I don't now I think there's a difference between being a backup and being an apprentice. I I I think Matt would be a willing apprentice. For a year? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, but if he got drafted onto a team where he was being asked to be the backup for a few years, I can see where that would be. If if you think about it, the guys that are, that are kind of lifelong backups are typically pretty cerebral guys. Mm -hmm. This isn't about being smart or not smart, but cerebral. There's a difference. I don't know that I'd ever call Matt that. I don't know that Matt would call himself that. I don't know what I'm watching from a release standpoint. I did notice at the pro day that. But the irony of that is I thought during game film and watching Matt live every time he's played a game at Ole Miss, he does vary release points, though. Like, I actually thought that was one of his more positives is that he did, yeah. he is improvisational with the ball. I remember having the thought at his pro day that his release was so fast that I didn't know whether that was good. I thought that was probably – I remember thinking that's great, right, that you could get rid of the ball so quickly from load to out of your hand. The one thing you wonder is did having that ankle injury impact his pre preparation a little bit? Like with a pitcher, right, where you have something bothering you and you compensate mm -hmm. and you end up affecting something else. Yeah. You have a hamstring issue, it becomes a hip issue, or it becomes a shoulder issue because your body's not working in rhythm. Sure. I have a mailbag question on this, and I'll, I'll go ahead and give away my answer. Yeah, sure. Whether it's Thursday night or Friday evening or whatever, whatever yeah. whenever it happens, that moment, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. He's going to get drafted. He's going to get invited to a mini camp. He's going to go to a training camp, and he's going to make an NFL roster. 
what he does with those opportunities will matter so much more than what happened at his pro day. He might lose some money, and he might have to make the money up over the course of a career, and that matters. But in terms of just the actual having a football career, effective at the latest Friday night, it's not going to matter anymore. The one thing that I thought was fairly relevant, because we didn't even know what we were watching, is that his pro day obviously was not very good. Because he didn't even get the buzz right after that even if you're playing the misinformation game and even going, hey, yeah, that guy, whatever, but I want him. There wasn't any. It just kind of stayed. Like it, didn't, it was the opposite of Willis, where yeah. at the Senior Bowl, at his pro day, at the Combine, there was this buzz about him that built and built and built. Mm-hmm. And then the opposite, and I said this yesterday on the message board, and, and I, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was being serious. I remember sitting here, I don't know what, what week that was, you and I were in here together, and we had the Ole Miss game up, and we had something else up, and on my computer, I had... ULM Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched the whole game right here. That's right. And I got to tell you, I'm being totally serious. We joked about it. I joked about it because I make all the ULM jokes that I'm sure are old. But if I were an NFL personnel person and I went back and watched that film of that game, that would be difficult for me to get out of my mind. Yeah, you'd be impossible to just go, oh, well, I got a big arm. Yeah. Uh, Hold on. Yeah. I mean, that was ULM, and he got nothing done except with his feet that whole game. And it would be difficult for me just to overlook that, to completely go, oh, well, you know what, that was, yeah, that was bad competition. And if that if it, if that's going to be the case, what's it going to be like when he goes against the Ravens, when he goes against Tampa, when Aaron Donald is across the line of scrimmage? What what happens then? As opposed to with Corral, I've watched Matt Corral carry a crippled team mm-hmm. to a win in Knoxville. I watched Matt Corral over. I watched Matt Corral overcome his defense, giving up fifty one points. I mean, you go back and watch the Ole Miss Arkansas game. Everybody loves to get on Matt for the game in Fayetteville where he threw the six picks. Last year in Oxford, if Matt's not perfect, they lose. They lose. He's a gamer. He's better. He's he's going to be better in those type of environments than sterile environments. Yeah. Combines, yeah. pro days. Hey, follow this little yeah. – just give me the ball. Yeah. Let me go score. And, and here's another one. If Matt doesn't play really well in Tuscaloosa last year, that's an embarrassing loss. Mm-hmm. He made plays and and made really good decisions in that game that I thought showed a maturity on his part. Yeah, kept it. Right? I mean, what, what, what's, what's the knock on Jackson Dart today as an 18-year-old? Eh, he takes too many, just takes too many shots. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the knock on Matt at that age, and it was fair. Last season, I didn't think Matt made too many bad decisions. Didn't try to force too many things. That offense was pretty crippled by the end of the year. Oh, sure. And they 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 managed it. That would be the thing that if I'm a scout, and I'm not, I'll, my next day as an NFL exec will be my first. I get all this stuff. I get it. I, I, you, you, the underwear Olympics, the Senior Bowl, the the pro day, the stuff, and and, and I I know I know it, I can understand it, but I would always want to go back and look at that film. Mm-hmm. 
when you and, want the film. And those would be, and that recent film would be what I'd want to see. And that film of, again, the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, the Ole Miss-Tennessee game, the Ole Miss-Texas A&M game, those would be films that I'd look at and go, I think this guy can be my quarterback. Yeah. Now, are there things you have to manage with Matt? Of course. You have to get the running thing out of his brain. It's got to stop. You've got to get rid of the football. Got to live to fight another down. You you can't compete like that all the time. Are there some? You know, he he used to have a, a reputation for being a hothead. I got to make sure that we got that under control because when you walk into my locker room as the face of an NFL franchise, there's very little margin for error. But Matt's pretty good with public stuff and all that. I you know I I don't know I. I think a lot of this is just the four months that they do where they they do this every year. They'll do it next year. They'll do it the year after that. You have so much time to analyze. And when you have a guy like Matt who doesn't check every box, he's not 6'4". He doesn't have a howitzer. He's not Kyle Allen. And you freak out about all the negatives. You start hyper-focusing on the stuff that he doesn't have. I guess is he ends up being a hell of a steal and early in the second round. I'm going to put a prediction on tomorrow night. That is my guess. That's what I think, too. I, I, Somebody I, might grab him mid to late first, but I, I think the most likely scenario is early second. Well, there's a lot of consensus. If you made me predict, I'll predict that either New Orleans or Seattle, the two teams that get attached to him the most, find a way maybe to trade up into the first part of the second round and get their guy. Okay. Podcast brought to you in part by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender if you need that, and more. So, again, call the office, 662-238-3159. Uh, we're also brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board. Whether you're in IT, engineering, dentistry, accounting, law, manufacturing, human resources, or maybe you don't even know what you're looking for, they can help you. Their goal is to get to know you, your strengths, and see what you're looking for in your next career move to find you the right fit. It's free for the candidates. Uh, all conversations are kept confidential, so you've got nothing to lose by giving them a call. Uh, call Will, Sydney, or Kelsey at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website, servicespecialistltd.com. I brought you by The Rogue. It's your destination for fine men's clothing. Uh, there's stylist hand-select pieces from top designers from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at the Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and more. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward and chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth and let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing available at CorinthDental.com. Also brought to you by uh, Bell & Grove. 
based out of Chattanooga, Bellin Grove, is a logistics provider with more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. They specialize in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S. They can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rate possible for their customers. They can uh, help customers design a custom solution for their shipping needs, whether your business is in need of moving a truckload, a partial shipment, or a flatbed, they can accommodate you. They also provide both air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, call Daryl Oliver, 865-672-6557. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, one grass ring, two miles, I'm sorry, miles, not just two, miles of wooded trails. There's a lot to be offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings, uh, camps with trainer Susan Walt, buying your first horse, and competing at nationally recognized competitions. Uh, to learn more about Southern Traditions, get in touch with Bowers Cone, BowersCone1 at gmail.com. Or message them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. So last night we mentioned it in the NBA, the Grizzlies win one eleven one oh nine. Um game game. winning basket with one second remaining in the uh in the game. At one point, uh Neil's buddy Patrick Beverly did some taunting toward Morant. He then scored thirteen straight points to lead the comeback for the Grizzlies at that yep. at that moment. Yep. Kind of got what you asked for there, didn't you? Somewhere like, Russell Westbrook smiled. I think he was happy about that. Yeah. Like somewhere he went. What what was great about that game was the Grizzlies were in trouble. They they down eleven twelve. It's at one point. Carl uh, Anthony Towns was terrific last night. Um, they just kind of are relentless. Even on a night when Jaron Jackson Jr. fouled out with seven minutes to go, I think. I mean, he was really ineffective because uh, Towns is just a monster who can shoot threes. I mean, you talk about a guy who can score on every level. Um, Morant is just this guy that is. He's just this force. He has gravity to him. Even on a night when he wasn't playing particularly well, at one point I think he was 4 for 12 from the field. He wasn't, they weren't doing much. Uh, Desmond Bain was kind of hanging in there and carrying him, but Dylan Brooks wasn't shooting well. Jackson was ineffective. They just, they just grind their way back into a game. And it's different than the whole grit and grind and all that stuff from a different era. This is different because that that era, Memphis had some good players, but no star. They were the underdogs, just hang like yeah. yeah this you know, team this has team, a this team has a superstar. John Morant's a superstar. John Morant's going to win an MVP. He's he's a superstar, and in that game, I thought because Memphis, I'm sorry, Minnesota was down three and ran. An absolutely gorgeous inbounds play to create the three pointer that tied the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a beautiful. I mean, that, their coach. I mean, that, their coach watched that happen and probably felt something. Yeah, like, oh wow, that's that's, ex- that, that's exactly how I drew this up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was perfect. The play was genius, and that had to be a little deflating for Memphis right there. We had this. Oh my God, it wasn't Towns. They used Towns as kind of a, a, a high pick and roll decoy. Mm-hmm. And got the shot, and then to come back, the two things that stick out is Memphis got the ball to Morant, who just made a play, and if you're Minnesota, you watch Anthony Edwards try to get a steal right there, and you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it had to make, I mean, the coach went from the highest of highs, like, oh, that was beautiful, to, oh, God, 
I want to vomit. And now it goes back to – this thing has seven games written it all does. over it. It really – it's what a series it's Winner been. plays who? Winner plays Golden State. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Good series. Yeah. Memphis Golden State would be pretty fun. But these are two good young teams. Uh, You're watching some of the young stars in the league get their first real playoff experience. Um, The Timberwolves are a damn good seven seed. I mean, holy shit. And um, the playoffs are fun. I mean, they really are. Like you watch Boston, the way they've dominated Brooklyn, the way they took Kevin Durant out, and you see the toughness with which they play. They're – they're fun. You got Milwaukee still in it with, I mean, you know, and they lost Chris Middleton for a little while, but Giannis is a superstar. I get why people don't like the NBA, the regular season so long and stuff, but you get to the playoffs and their playoffs are as good as anybody's. These next, these next round <clears throat> of playoffs is, is going to be a lot of fun. Other two games yesterday, the Heat dispatch of the Hawks, 97-94. That is now over and the Heat will play the winner of the Sixers and the Raptors. And then, uh, by the way, I saw that stat. Was it that Doc Rivers? His like he's I forget what it is. He's like literally converted like one of his last twelve chances to close a series or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. Because the Raptors won again last night, right? I have no idea. Okay, I don't think they played last. Did they night. not play? Yeah, okay. missed tonight. And then uh, the other game last night, Suns one twelve, Pelicans ninety seven. So they are now up three two, headed back to New Orleans. Devin Booker again did not play. the The Pels have been fun. They've been plucky, but probably ending in six. I would assume so. They have a great future because they have some really good young players they have a ton of picks stored up and um yeah Bridges scores 31 last night in Booker's absence of course there's the elephant I mean that sort of as a pun (laughs) in the room (laughs) you didn't really mean to do that with uh (laughs) with Zion Williamson I mean if you're New Orleans you've got to figure that out yeah Remind me in the morning. We're we're pretty much out of time, so I don't want to get into it now because I, I want to spend a few minutes on it. It's not even about basketball, but just about putting a team together. I want to talk about this Ben Simmons Kyrie thing tomorrow, okay. just because. Good God, sure, it is. Sure, I don't even follow it, and I read it and go, huh? Like yeah. it just amazes me. Well, in, it shows in, you in when you when you ways. sort of do things the way Brooklyn did it, and it doesn't work. I think it's good for the a couple real quick. Yeah, yeah, a couple of things for the league. I think it's great for the league that Brooklyn didn't work. Mm-hmm. That I think it's great for the league that Brooklyn was an abject disaster. Frankly, sure. I do. I think it's great for the league in the same way that I think Milwaukee winning a title. If you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan, Milwaukee winning a title and Giannis staying has to make you feel good. Like you should closet be a Bucks fan. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, you compare that to the way that. Like what they're trying to do in Oklahoma City, what they are trying to do in New Orleans with building a team with chemistry and synergy and where it makes sense where you can sustain something for a long period of time. What they did in Brooklyn, it made no sense when they did it. It smacked of haphazard of, oh, there's a hole. Let's put this square peg in it. And what's a pretty square peg? And it just didn't work. And if you're Kevin Durant, these are prime years of your career that you seem to just be – and he's he's the best scorer in the game today, still today. He's the best scorer in the game, and, and he's out in the first round. Yeah. Uh, we like what-ifs around here. We might mention this tomorrow. We, I guess I'm just plugging the athletic all day. I didn't really mean to, but uh, they've done some good stuff the last few days. A really good deep dive on what happened to Kansas football since Mark Mangino. Oh. And the fact that in 2009, there was a world that was – 
almost happened that Jim Harbaugh was going to replace Mangino at Kansas, and what would have happened oh. had that been the case. So, uh, oh, there is uh, there is that, but nonetheless, uh, all right, draft starts tomorrow night. Um, stories up at rebelgrove.com, some baseball stuff. Uh, if you missed, uh, I guess your mailbag out today. Uh, wrote something on JJP Geese last night. That's up on the site. It's There's the, a, uh, got in the vault for the first time with an old Miss uniform on. A recruiting story on Dante Dowdell, the four-star okay. running back uh, from yes, Picayune, right. Mississippi. Getting close to a decision yeah, for him. A couple so, weeks uh, away. Yeah, that and more. And then we'll be back in the morning. So check Rebel Grove in the meantime, and we'll talk to you then.